So, SolarWinds hack. <laughs> oh God. Who wants to give the background on that? The quick overview basically is that this company, SolarWinds, that sells an orchestration product, basically an IT management product that is licensed or on-site installed at multiple federal agencies, including military and classified installations, um, was breached by, uh, oh, we're going we're gonna to just almost certainly say the Russian SRV. Um, the the nature of the breach is that once this company was attacked and breached and given some of their security practices, including um, something that was confirmed for me two days ago by somebody who would have reason to know the SolarWinds123 password people were saying they were using internally, that's real. Um, it's, a good, it's a good advertisement for the fact that some of their I mean, security practices were problematic. Password to that so what, I mean, that's actually really common, if you want to know the truth. I, I'm, I'm suffering right now to think of a company that I've been at, worked at, seen, ever been at before that hasn't committed at one point or another passwords, private keys, something like that to a public GitHub. Um, so that's, that's a thing that happens. But when you've got something that's that stupid simple, it's a pretty good advertisement for the fact that maybe your security practices aren't best. So as a vector for attack, they were probably pretty solid. So when people were trying to, when people were trying to update their Orion software package and they would get a notification that said, it's time to update your software, they, like, please keep doing this, people, uh, would hit the update button and they would update their software. The problem is that the update package that they were downloading, the patch they were downloading, contained code in it that permitted um, the, the foreign hackers to establish a persistent series of shells on the machines that that update was installed on. So the, the reason this worked is there was a trusted third-party provider with, um, with established and persistent backdoor access to multiple different American federal agencies, including the Commerce Department, the National Nuclear Security Agency, um, the Energy Department. Um, they're confirming that the uh, Pentagon and multiple branches in the military were affected as well. And that's what's going on right now. Can I amend my analogy? Because now I'm understanding this better and mm -hmm. it's going to be way more millennial accessible. Instead of Citrix, is SolarWinds like yeah. Steam? Like they, yeah, actually, other people good. write software, yeah. but they have a product that downloads and manages shit. That's actually, what's that's, running that's on. That's a pretty good analogy. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. I understand <laughs> this now. Good, yeah. well, I think this is what they call a supply mm -hmm. chain attack. You're, you're not, your targets are yes. the government or companies or whoever but you're not going at them directly. You're going for one of their providers, one of their vendors that has access. So if you, if they have weaker security than your target, you just go through them. Uh, I mean, I think you've, we've seen this before, even with a, mm -hmm. a major US retailer in the past where they went through the HVAC system. The, the HVAC provider had mm -hmm. essentially network access. Yeah. Instead of going for this retailer, um, the attackers went for the HVAC system and got into the environment that way. In this case, instead of going for target, the direct right? uh, target, the government yeah. agencies, they're going for their uh, one of their tech, their software vendors. But when we say supply chain, we're still yes. talking digitally because, again, like I do tamper seal stuff, and in my world, companies like Cisco are curious if their quote supply chain is being intercepted and being messed with in in a the box great before it ships. Uh... Bloomberg. This is this is digital supply chain. <laughs> the non-existent hacking chip. Oh, yeah. the the rice the rice chip that or something. Oh yes. yeah, whatever. A good way that I've been a good way that I've been explaining this to people most of the week is to say who especially because the big names involved in this, the ones that we recognize are 
Microsoft and the National Nuclear Security Agency and the Commerce Department and the Energy Department. We're, we're recognized those big names. And so they tend to be in the headlines. And one of the things that's a problem with that is just because those are the big name customers of this company doesn't mean it was the fault of anybody at those agencies who purchased this product, which was certified and compliant. Um, it doesn't mean it's the fault of anybody in specific at those agencies. Now, there's a lot of ways to fix and mitigate and to upgrade security checks in future to help prevent this kind of attack. But the way that I've been giving this as an example to people is by saying, um, when you have a supply chain attack, just imagine you've got a gallon of milk in the fridge. I think a lot of people understand at this point that when you buy like a dairy gold or a lucerne gallon of milk, the milk in that jug didn't come from just one cow or even just one dairy. Um, what's actually happening mm. is there's a milk distribution system in this country, right? And the big milk distribution companies will purchase milk from multiple different dairies with quality testing and inspections and checking to make sure of the quality. So the what what we're what we're giving as an example is it's not the fault of anybody who bought the milk or even purchased the milk from the dairy. The issue here is that Solar Winds is like a dairy that had poor security practices and just didn't notice that one day somebody swapped all their cows out. So all the milk that was downloaded wasn't from the cows they thought it was getting downloaded from. So the, the example here shows it's not the fault of anybody who got sick from buying the bad milk. Like they thought they were doing the right thing. The labels were all there. All of the process was there. Um, but now there's a question in future. Are we going to, to ask ourselves more carefully, where is this milk coming from? How often are you checking to making sure that the cows are I think are there's healthy, another point. You know, that, that Bessie there's, isn't I think there's Annabelle. there's another point right? beyond so, that as well is once yeah. you get that milk, what is that milk going to be used for? Are you going to restrict mm -hmm. its use for certain things yeah. if you know it may be, it may not be right. ideal for a certain recipe? Mm -hmm. Maybe you, you, have, you shouldn't be consuming it raw. Maybe you need to cook it first. And I think to, mm -hmm. to this. For, yeah. for Orion and, and yeah. solar winds, yeah. that those machines were beaconing home to um, command and control. Why are those solar mm -hmm. winds? Those solar wind servers should not be allowed to go out to the internet. So if you're not locking down those systems to only send those SNMP traps mm -hmm. or SSL um, uh, mm -hmm. traffic to internal servers that it's monitoring or managing, you're also creating a gap right there because you're allowing a machine that has at potentially admin privileges to other devices, talk to the internet unfeathered. So I, I think that's something to, for, for people Agreed. to think about as well. Just because you're buying a, a, a software package and you're installing a server, it doesn't mean you don't lock mm -hmm. down that server to what it's only supposed to do. How much is known about who discovered it and how? FireEye discovered it a month ago. Were they yeah, that was running the, the product? It was the, you remember FireEye's Fire okay. breach a month ago when they lost their red team tools, right. which, oh my God, pours one out for my homies. Um, the, a month ago when they got hacked in their post-incident audit of going through their processes, they discovered that they had been, uh, they had been backdoored by this particular vulnerability and they notified the government. That's how this hack was discovered. Uh, and it's essentially been kept secret for the last month as USG tries to figure out how to mitigate. And then of mm -hmm. course it gets broken by, I think, CISA said, um, CISA stop, said stop using they any SolarWinds products. They tried to, yeah. to get that in, out there about, about authentication mechanisms as part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually, I think that the big story was broken when Microsoft was also mm -hmm. uh, claiming that they were not breached, but were in fact breached. And that's Joseph Men at Reuters but who broke that story like they, three days ago. They I think. were running SolarWinds, but the their network was not breached mm -hmm. per se. Like uh, either they didn't run the payload or they mm -hmm. did run the payload and weren't able to do anything. 
but uh, Microsoft's side is basically they didn't get well, anything mm-hmm. off their network. Whether... Didn't the payload also include hard-coded IP ranges that were Microsoft that said, don't F around on this territory because yeah, Microsoft so they have has a gotten bunch good of at detection? Did I read that? Stuff mm-hmm. Because Microsoft has a very, very good uh, uh, threat intelligence, anti-malware mm-hmm. team. They also yeah, have, yeah. Um, I forget what it's called, uh, they have this huge telemetry system which just will farm any malware um and basically yeah you you just want to avoid anything microsoft ranges so it sounds like they had a bunch of anti-analysis mm-hmm. stuff that just just kind of avoided anything microsoft they they did announce that no one got anything but at the same time this is the equivalent of a bank saying to people don't worry, the robbers got in and they ran around the place a, a lot and they got good pictures of inside and they selfied and they threw it up on Instagram. But don't worry because they didn't actually leave with any of your money. Like the, the, the point here isn't necessarily that they didn't walk out with money. The point is that they got in to begin with, right? And again, not the fault of the people at Microsoft who do a spectacular job mitigating and finding these kinds of, of vulnerabilities. But again, kind of missing the point on that one on the pr uh, i guess they gotta they gotta ensure uh like assure their investors that stuff didn't get breached it's not really about mitigation it's just like hey please don't sell our stock mm-hmm. don't worry historically cybersecurity breaches have caused little to no impact on any stock and in fact mostly have as far as i'm aware uh, no one has ever been able to draw any connection between a drop in stock over more than one year uh, and a, comp- a company sell price in any cybersecurity breach. There's no one like cares. an immediate drop yeah. of like maybe up to twenty percent, and then it goes back mm-hmm. up in like a week or two. That's why I bought FireEye mm-hmm. when it when it got Absolutely. hacked. Like it dropped like seven. Yeah. I think it was like seventeen yeah. percent, and it's back up already. And I was just like, seventeen percent. That happens think, every yeah. time. Oh, yeah. yeah, they get hacked. Yeah, yeah. By that dip, the occasional <laughs> executive has to fall on their sword mm-hmm. and then get a better job six months later. And like a huge it, payout. I don't know. Mm-hmm. A misbehaving priest or a cop who shot a kid or something. This is the you problem know. with a lot of yeah. this. You just move out of town. This is the accountability problem when it comes yeah. to this kind of responsibility. And it does go to the connection between the, the, the lack of translation between the technical realities on the ground and the people allocating budget yeah, who don't understand so any of it. I've so many bad takes trying so. to explain it to uh, like war people in terms of war. I saw cyber Cuban mm-hmm. missile crisis, which made me want to bleach my eyes. Oh god! It was um some ex spy or something ca- yeah. uh, decided that this is our Cuban missile crisis moment. How we respond to this will define blah 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 blah. And it's just like fucking no. This is just routine espionage. No. There is no like. It's a holy. This shit. is also not the first time a, a, no. a major breach of a software or technology provider that the government uses. This is not the first time it's happened. No. I mean, like OPM um, got fucked. Uh, like RSA oh, like is another example, ago, right? Mm-hmm. RSA was a huge breach. That was a yeah. real wake-up call for a lot Wasn't of people. RSA it, didn't, it didn't really... No. It... So, there, no, RSA was partially... RSA is another good example of we shouldn't be inserting backdoors into our software yeah, because anybody can get through a hole. We put the backdoors in there and then someone else so. hacked it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no, there was no evidence of any backdoor. I mean, I think yeah. what they were going for, the adversary was looking for certain keys. Um and I think RSA's recommendation to all their cl- customers was update this key here, so that way your encryption is still um, still intact or still has uh, you know can provide you that confidentiality. Yeah, but um, 
Yeah, it's it's not a new thing. Um, I think it might be the biggest, uh, like at least known breach or publicly known breach. Um, because you got they got basically, I think something like seventy five percent of the Fortune five hundred user, or is it Fortune five hundred or is it SM, uh, well, something uh, different in the US? I, I think it's important to note that just because all Fortune. of these companies were using the tool doesn't mean that this organization or the adversary was in their environment snooping around. It just means they had the option to do it. So I, I think that's an important distinction because I, I think people might walk away thinking, oh my God, 400 of the 500, 400 and 500 are now hacked by Russia. And, and that's not the case. Yeah, they had it's access, but this, they didn't. They had access or the, or the tool or the vulnerability was in their environment. And also going back to my point, if an environment's locked down, just because that vulnerability is on Orion doesn't mean that thing can actually beacon back home if configured and locked down properly. So I think that's a very important distinction that I sometimes I think the nuance, this nuance the media is not covering because the media just wants, you know, the big headline, the scary headline and not based on reality, the situation of what companies are actually breached, what's actually being stolen, what's being accessed. So. I think these numbers out there can be very misleading. I mean, it's definitely overhyped. Like, definitely calling it the cyber Cuban missile crisis is just insane. That tweet made me cringe so hard I just logged off Twitter. But um, it's just, I guess this kind of stuff just doesn't hit the media much. So when it does, everyone is freaking the fuck out. Uh, what essentially is just espionage. Like, they're treating it as this is like an attack on the US, which it is not. Yeah, and, and Devin, you mentioned that a You're lot not of just right. You, you could you say mentioned it's a lot stronger. of non-tech people were asking you about this. I mean, do you know where they heard about this? Was it in the news? Did they hear about it through other places? They they heard about it through mostly colleagues. Professional colleagues are talking about it, saying, "Hey, do we run?" It's almost like when any popular product gets hacked, and they say, "Hey, do we? Does anyone in our org run this thing?" It's it's a thing that's obscure enough that you're not sure if you it's not like office microsoft office but you're like hey i've heard of it everyone talks about this are we running this um you know in the in the lock world it's like when i don't know it's it's like when a uh the quickset smart key got super compromised by farmer freak or by shane right and someone's like hey i've heard of smart key do we run smart key do we have any buildings with those doors uh it's it's not something that people understand exactly how it's vulnerable but they're like i'm i've seen that on store shelves are we doing, are we using the thing? Uh, yeah. And it's, it's people, it's, it's kind of actually, I think it's inspiring. It's many levels of orgs trying to do due diligence saying, I've heard about this problem. Are we okay? What should we be doing? Which is better than arguably better than most hacks where you don't see anyone yeah, asking, what should we be doing? You've got all these like pundits now commenting on it who have like, they've never touched anything in the cyber domain. And they're like, we need to, we need deterrence. We need to retaliate. And it's just like, uh, like, but this happens every few yeah. years. I feel like I, I've been, yeah, it's happened yeah, this, consistently, but no, that the buzz about, oh, we need to retaliate. We need to do something that type of outcry and and people just kind of getting angry about it and saying we need to do something now to, to show that we're we're strong and that we'll respond. <laughs> this comes up every every few years whenever there is a a, a a breach or an attack this big, it comes up. So yeah. I'm not too surprised to hear whenever this I see kind of the noise. word retaliate in in terms of something to do with hacking, I just replace it with the word escalate, and it just it is perfectly the right context now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's brilliant. I'd okay. love to see that whoever <laughs> yeah. that journalist was who said cyber Cuban missile crisis. 
like did anyone reply being like wait which vi is a virus payload the container ship with missiles who's russia what's the blockade Ugh. <laughs> you know the, yeah. the thing you said before malware which was that this is just normal espionage um it this is this is very much like it you're not you're not just right you're legally right you're technically correct which is the best kind of correct uh the the work that was done in this hack very much falls under us code title 50 this is this is espionage it's not legally cyber I mean, they, they war. there was that, no surely. uh there was no intent to deceive well of course they don't just know yeah. that that's the intent it's intended to be espionage and not warfare this is not an escalation it's just widespread right this is just listening these are listening posts established in a foreign country we've done this since the beginning yeah, of time every nation has yeah. and title 50 absolutely mm -hmm. title 10 is when you is when you actually engage in acts of destruction or deception on in foreign territory yeah there's no destruction this is the this equivalent is espionage it of is not war tap go climb up a phone pole and tapping the yeah. phone lines and listening mm -hmm. Like I did. That's see, precisely I, what it I is. That's absolutely what it Twitter. is. Uh, Mitt Romney released a statement saying that they could have disrupted the power grid with this hack. Like they could have taken out the utilities. And it's like, sure, like they could take a passenger yeah. plane which regularly flies over DC, fit it with bombs, and bomb DC. Are they going to do that? No. Like they're not going to just fuck up the US with an act of war because that means actually going committing to a war. And I just don't think mm -hmm. the people outside mm -hmm. of cybersecurity understand this. Like they just cannot see that there is a big line between espionage and war. I think they're having a hard time understanding that you can go to war with a computer, but this wasn't it. You can go to war with a computer, but this wasn't that time that it happened, right? We have declared wars on the cybers. I'd agree with that. Do you mean go to war with is doing a lot of weird work there. Do you mean go to war with adversarially against a computer or using the computer right. in your scabbard yes okay so <laughs> okay. yeah so then um here's a great example of this right here in 2018 nato created a war game it was called trident juncture operation trident juncture 29 member countries of nato show up with ships and planes and guns and soldiers all over the north Atlantic. they they're off the coast of uh finland in 20 in november 2018 and they tried initially to integrate the cyber warfare element of this game with the conventional attacks. Within the first apparently two hours of those games, they had to remove the cyber warfare component because the like 20 nerds with computers in Tallinn, Estonia shut down the war games. Mm -hmm. um, the conventional weaponry that was all equipped with incredibly outmoded and outdated computational equipment, GPS, everything like that, was it was just completely taken out of action. Um, all of the unupdated stuff. I mean, remember. The military is the first, best, biggest, most unbelievably unupdated deployment of internet oh, of sure. things like half of their ever. Ships are right? Fucking XP. So, and yeah, <laughs> they are running XP. They're running. They're running Emmy. It's worse than that. So then, what happens is Russia, in real life, starts jamming GPS on this particular operation, and so they realize in that moment in Operation Trident Juncture, not only were they not prepared. For, for an actual attack by Russia, which occurred at that time. GPS jamming occurred empirically at that time. They weren't even prepared for their own exercises in cyber warfare. So this is, we're seeing people not understanding the difference and that you can go to war not only with a computer, literally versus computers, but with a laptop to stop conventional weaponry from being deployed. 
or cause it to be deployed. So the the people that are like, oh, listening in on on somebody talking about budget stuff and USG is the same thing as warfare, it is empirically not the same thing as warfare. We have seen cyber warfare with a computer. Yeah, I mean, and this uh, is not it. Someone was trying to correct me and say that, uh, like, well, Russia has taken out power grids. They took out the power grid in Ukraine in 2015. And I was like, do you Ukraine, know what they also yep. did in Ukraine? Yep, yep. They fucking invaded it. Like, they literally <laughs> went to war with Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> it's a precursor to, in to invasion. Absolutely, like, you're correct. I don't know. I feel like we need to, like, like, all of us as a community just need to put in so much effort into just explaining to these people that there is a difference. Because they seem, like, not to understand. And these are the people in power. Well, people want to jump mm -hmm. to something big and scary <laughs> because it rallies. Yeah. listeners it rallies supporters and followers so i'm not surprised this it's history people want to rally support for their own cause and their own ideas and so they hype things up to be big and scary yeah like I, i've mostly just been ignoring it nobody's uh, got time for this i know it just feels kind of boring like mm -hmm. after all the things that have happened this year like a, a big breach is just like eh, meh. yeah i mean I, I think the way i look at this is it's like any other breach it happens, figure out what happened, look look through your environment, are you susceptible, do any remediation activities, the indicators of compromise are out there, so you can, you can incorporate that into your monitoring scheme, and then from there, you may just have to do some additional residual business risk assessments and analysis, but other than that, it's just, just like any other breach that happens with any other vendor that a company may or may not be using, you just go through the same process, just remain calm, and just follow your incident response playbook. 100% what you just said. Everywhere. I mean, I wonder who FireEye called for instant response. Do you think they did their own internal, or do they think it's like a uh, don't represent yeah, yourself did. kind of thing? <laughs> they did. They did their own internal. Uh, insofar as I've been made aware, they did their own internal. I'm going to guess they're going to have a third-party audit. It's standard in corporate information security to and do your own internal incident outsider. response first. But to get recertified, yeah, to get recertified, to get all their certs back again, things like, you know, um, you know, FedRAMP and PCI and, and SOC2, everything like that, they're going to need to have their third-party audits, and that'll be a high-risk audit. So they'll get one of the yeah. big four, like PwC or E&Y or something like that to do that audit. But that audit, there's no way that audit know, comes out sure. before six months from now. Yeah, and, and that's another thing no where, yeah. where if you are a company that is using a technology vendor that goes through an event like this, and you're large enough of a relationship where you can talk to them directly to get some insights on understanding what's happening, to be very intent in listening to how they describe the situation. Do they feel like they know everything? Because right now, it's still very early days. So do you feel confident in their responses? Or do you feel comfortable with how they respond to the incident? And what else are they going to do? Because if someone comes to you and says, yeah, we know what happened. It's not going to happen again. We know how bad it was. I don't know if I would feel confident because this is such a big thing that all the facts may not come out for weeks or months of investigation. Well, I mean, that, that's exactly what happened with FireEye is I don't know how it happened, but somehow the focus became like their red teaming tools became the central focus. And like, obviously FireEye, like they're, they're a defender for a lot of US companies. They have like defense data on a lot of the US. And I mean, if I was hacking them, I would want to know, hey, what come these are vulnerable to like what what have they patched what have they not patched but somehow they the focus just became solely on their red team tools which got stolen and um 
that just seemed to like just distract from the <laughs> the real story which is that yeah like a major security provider has been breached well if, they, if their red team tools are successful against the clients then they would want their tools because then they can use those tools to also compromise i mean the red team the tooling organization. is is it's supposed to emulate actual attackers which they are so they are the tooling they are what the tooling is supposed to emulate so why steal them do you know that i have had a substantially non-zero number of emails that we're fielding this week also because my company runs redteamtools.com which is <laughs> the site that we sell all of our physical pen test gear to our students <laughs> And they're like, what happened with your shit? We're like, you could buy an ESP key or some lockpicks, bro. Like, we're we're not related to what you're seeing on CNN. You're like it's the fine. Kleenex of Red, of, uh, red Team uh, domains. <laughs> yes. How many of you are all staying staying home for Christmas? There's my topic. How many people are staying home for the holidays and I mean, not going to family? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm staying local. Yeah, I just going to well, be... Cooking, cleaning, relaxing, mm -hmm. wrenching on cars. That's about it. Just yeah. my normal weekend. <laughs> just another normal weekend yeah. for me. All of us are just hanging on. You know, we're all, it's everyone's fatigued and everyone is making their best decisions. Um, I mean, we're making our best decisions about going out of the house. I don't think we're making good decisions about the chocolate <laughs> cookie dough in the fridge, though. <laughs> oh my God. That's the next taste test. We're going to yeah. do a taste test about. <laughs> Various chocolate We're deciding chips. whether or not six of different kinds of chocolate chips are good in, in cookie dough is going to be a thing. We're not actually making the cookies, right? We're just going to do a taste test of cookie dough. Speak for yourself. Like literally half that cookie dough is going to become cookies. <laughs> All right. I'm going to get royally lit and just eat cookie dough on camera. Hey, I've never made you bourbon chocolate chip cookies before. All right. This is a cross-pollination video. Check us out on YouTube because wow. our channel doesn't mean shit. But, um... Yeah, everyone everyone is just just do your best. And if if you do something stupid and your friends call don't, you on yeah, it, don't on just hill. apologize. Say sorry. Own it, apologize and fucking move on. Yeah. Don't mm -hmm. die on that hill. Like I, I made mm -hmm. some mistakes early on. It's exhausting. That, uh, I didn't realize that even if you have immunity, you can still spread. Yeah, because it just means oh, you I don't didn't. get sick yeah. from yeah. it. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's not all over you all over you. Yeah, so I, I realized mm -hmm. that, and then I was like, okay, then I, even though I'm now immune, I still have to stay home. And I think I've been out mm -hmm. maybe twice or three times in about eight months now. Um, not even, like, shopping. Like, I've started mm -hmm. getting grocery orders online and DoorDash. Like, I've really mm -hmm. just not left my house unless I absolutely have to. What amazes me is how well, thank you. inefficient and almost difficult it is to get good testing done in the u.s as well the turnaround time is, is really God, long yeah. the wait oh. is really long uh when i was still yeah i know three weeks is long enough yeah three weeks well, when i was in europe I, yeah. I purposely on my own just got tested every three to four weeks um just to mm -hmm. just to make sure if, if i have it and i'm carrying it i'm not spraying it around just even going grocery shopping and the turnaround mm -hmm. was under 24 hours to get my results each time mm -hmm. i mean you can I, get instant yeah. tests like they're using them a lot in hollywood on film sets but they're not quite as accurate as like the, mm -hmm. the yeah. proper full test um the full tests are getting better like uh, my local um urgent care is doing them now with 24-hour turnaround but uh i remember when covid started 
you could not get tested. Like they would only test you if you were like physically displaying symptoms, which at that point, like go the fuck home. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be tested. You have COVID. Just mm -hmm. stay home. Well, there were some countries yeah. in Europe. Um, I'm going to name shame Belgium. It was pretty <laughs> bad. Basically, even really? if you had Why? the symptoms, as long as you weren't about to die, they were not going to test you. So I had a colleague. He was mm -hmm. coughing his lungs up. He couldn't get out of bed. They, won't, they wouldn't test him. They're like, nope, your, your life isn't at risk yet. Did you hear about the guy on the, I think it was like one of the US airline Christ. flights? Yeah, the, of course United. United. Oh, United, United Airlines. Oh my God. Are experiencing COVID symptoms? No. And then he gets on the plane, dies during the flight of COVID. <laughs> Fucking died on the flight. Like that guy was an asshole. And his and family, his wife, was, was, an wife was like, oh, well, oh. I mean, he had some reduced <laughs> taste and smell and was shaking and shivering. And had a fever and, and feverish. was coughing. But sure, it was. Are those <laughs> symptoms slow? Could have been anything. <laughs> and then United. And then United put everyone to, back on the plane. They cleaned his seat with three handy wipes, threw everybody back on the plane again. Same fucking plane. Are you kidding me? Delta difference. <laughs> oh my god. So, my god. Yeah. How do I sign up to like <laughs> endorse Delta? I'm so glad there's a vaccine now because the US has no hope. Like, without a va vaccine, <laughs> like, you're, you're done. It's failed state no. done. Yeah. Well, no, no, even with done. the vaccine, oh, yeah. isn't there this crazy strain in the UK mm -hmm. now that spreads faster? Does the vaccine work against the, that the strain? The vaccine oh, supposedly still works on it, but yeah, the uh, the spike protein yeah. has mutated, mm -hmm. which is how it gets inside the cells, and they're estimating it's approximately mm -hmm. seventy percent more infectious than the uh, the current COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why like all of the countries near UK are like, hey, the borders uh, they're closed now. Um. I think they actually mm -hmm. physically closed the land borders, even mm -hmm. to to freight and shipping, which is not great because we. Wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah, we we drop out of the EU in mm -hmm. uh, fuck, I think like ten, twelve yeah. days, and ten, yeah, ten or twelve days. You didn't close the borders. I'm leaving. For no, you the can UK get in from flying, in but you days. can't get across the... any of the land borders. Yeah, you like, can. You can't go into Europe. US don't give a shit. The lorries are no, still getting come in. in. The issue is they're trying to stop the UK yeah. people from okay. getting out because they're infected. Like, oh, they don't okay. care if you want to right. go and die in the UK. That's fine. It's they don't want the UK to come and infect them. The the controls. I remember when I crossed the border into the UK a couple months ago to uh, visit your place, Marcus, if you remember. Yeah. Um, I, I read up on all the rules, what the restrictions were. So I was prepared. I, I planned out my drive across the border so I wouldn't have to stop anywhere between Germany and the border. And when I went to the the uh, immigration booth um, on the mainland side uh, of the UK border, just to, before they would let me onto the train, they literally just asked me like two questions. Didn't even question whether I made any stops along the way <laughs> in France or the Netherlands. They're just like, oh, okay, whatever. Just, just go move along. So I was a little horrified <laughs> because there was all these rules that they set forth and they didn't even do any type of verification or validation or even question mm -hmm. that I did any of those things. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, they were trying to like sue mm -hmm. schools for closing. And uh, now they're like, oh shit, we have this new variant. We need to cancel Christmas. And uh, it's going to be bad because they obviously they drop out of the EU in a couple of days. And at mm -hmm. that point, they uh, no longer get the freedom of movement and they also the a lot of the borders are now mm -hmm. closed anyway because of covid so suddenly you have no like ground shipment of freight at all and 
everybody in the UK that's doing, and this matters to me as I'm going to be in the UK for three and a half months. Everybody in the UK is like, what do you mean Brexit means we can't summer in France anymore? <laughs> no one actually it's... understood what Brexit yeah. was. They just voted for it. They don't get it. Uh, well, yeah, I think the same sure. thing happened with Trump here but, uh, in the same year. Yeah. For many of the same reasons that we're but, in. Speaking uh, of well, summer holiday, I, I think one of the reasons why the cases are continuing to go up in Europe, especially in, in the autumn time, was because of people's summer holidays. Everyone went on summer holidays. We were like, who cares? There's a pandemic. Summer holiday in Europe is sacred. They're they're going on their summer holiday, and I think that contributed to. I don't um, think it's just the that. I think well. it's also that the weather's cooling down, and when the weather cools down, like physically, people go inside and they're closer together. But also, uh, supposedly, coronaviruses because they're a um, they're a uh, like a fat layer. Uh, they they're protected by a layer of fat. The uh, the warm temperature just dries it out, so it can't survive outside the body as long. So in winter, when it's cool and it's humid, or like a little bit humid, it actually survives longer outside the body. So you not only have people like physically nearer to each other, so it's spreading, the virus is actually more infectious. So I think it might also just be the season. I think also culturally, some countries and parts of the, uh, Europe tend to follow rules less than others. Um just taking the train through certain countries you can start to see what the norm is in terms of wearing a mask even though there are rules on wearing masks uh and i thought that was very interesting as well germany tended to have the highest rate of mask wearing but whenever i crossed the border into the netherlands i would say maybe only 60 to 70 percent of people were wearing masks i mean i guess it's like anywhere because like the us la is like a lot of people are wearing masks but then you go to like a neighboring even a neighboring city and there's just no one with masks like if you go to one of the red cities like up north in california no one is wearing masks like even slightly outside of la it's mm -hmm. really just depending on i think it's like become political views that's what it is in the us it has and, it and has. that's very unfortunate <laughs> that it has become a political yeah. topic and even in germany it's very politically charged topic um it tends to be the new states of germany that tend that are a little bit more anti-mask um these are the former uh gdr states really uh so they it is very political um because those states their economies were not great to begin with and these shutdowns are hurting their economies even more so it's turned political very I mean, much so I can there. I can understand that like I really do feel for like the restaurant industry in LA because they were they basically said outdoor dining is okay like as long as you have the you follow these regulations but like in order to put dining on your on the sidewalk you need to pay for a permit everyone paid for the permits and then they set up like outdoor bars on the sidewalk and then LA was like oh the cases have increased a bit so like no dining at all and they had like gone through, paid all of this money to get the outdoor dining set up. And then LA was just like, okay, but no. <laughs> Manhattan Beach figured out a loophole. Uh, basically, the outdoor seating is now public space. So as so the <laughs> servers will not... So can you smoke uh, well, There's there? no smoking in these cities anyways, outdoors. So there's no smoking, but it's public space. So okay. a server can't bring your food to you. But if you order takeout, you can sit down in these seating spaces that have been set up already, as long as you practice social distancing, you can use it like a park bench and eat your food there. So that's the loophole and workaround that Manhattan Beach has figured out. 
when like this is all over i'd like to see like from a study how much uh, like dining actually cr contributed to the cases because i when covid was new i actually went out to a restaurant and all the servers wearing face masks face shields as well uh, they would sanitize the tables the chairs uh, everything before they brought their food to you and then i'm looking at people like in the grocery store and they're like packed like balls to the wall and everyone is not wearing masks and i was like there's no way that the dining is the issue here like it's yeah, everything I, I but remember the i remember there was discussion about that whether there was really data and i thought there was however the the lockdown in los angeles county has been challenged the judge um upheld the the lockdown and closure of restaurants however they asked that the city provide the data set and evidence a scientific evidence they used to make that decision and the city's basically like actually we don't mm -hmm. have any evidence that it's actually a problem like it, so... it was a knee-jerk reaction <laughs> it's like we have to increase the lockdown and they have these phases and in that phase is the no outdoor dining but mm -hmm. it i don't think it was ever proven anywhere in any country that the dining was an issue in the first place I thought there was, but the city wasn't able to produce it. Really? Uh, yeah. Because like I've I've seen a lot of underground raves going on in LA. Um, there's a. Uh, I mean, I've not been Have to you? them, but, <laughs> the grandma but they're posting them on TikTok, and uh, I'm 99% sure that shit is what's doing it. Like people going to parties, raves, drinking, whatever. I don't think it's the outdoor dining. Um, I'd like to actually see some some studies on how well the virus spreads outdoor because there wasn't really a, a lot on that because I want to know if cycling is safe because when I'm on the cycle path and there's someone in front of me Most breathing, people... I'm like, am I, is this an issue? <laughs> Most of the doctors I know at this point, and I've talked to several global health folks in the last couple of weeks to do other stuff too, like data security for COVID patients and stuff like that. Have said outdoors, the 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 risk factor is non-functional. Do whatever you want outside. At the same time, they have said uh, that outdoors means actually outdoors. It doesn't mean yeah. in an enclosed space that has a permit to be right. called no, no, outdoors. They were doing that a lot in I love the differentiation that was made on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I love the differentiation that was made on Twitter. Some someone was like, I know how to tell real quick if something is indoors or outdoors. Just light a cigarette at the table next to you. If you're outdoors, you're fine. If you're indoors, you're about to find out real quick. So I love that differentiation. If you can't light a cigarette yeah, I mean, where you LA are, you're not outdoors. Really, really elaborate. There were people making like full-on like uh, mm -hmm. temporary like cities out on the sidewalk, and it was basically just an indoor restaurant. In but it was indoors in a fucking gazebo instead of an actual restaurant. Yeah, well, I think that's what happens when people. We saw that in San Francisco. Try to find a loophole in the rules and you're 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 doing something that's so unpopular and that people are so resistant that instead of trying to mm -hmm. cram this down work with the people to find a reasonable compromise and solution um i just i just think it's hilarious how manhattan beach this this town here in the south bay figured out this loophole that hey yeah it's not outdoor seating it's public space now you can sit you can buy food and just sit down and eat there I mean, it mm -hmm. translates nicely to security yeah. in that if you don't work with your users to improve security yeah, exactly. and you just tell them, no, you can't do this, they're going to mm -hmm. fucking find a way to do it. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I wish I had a glass, right there. I don't. I'm like not drinking today at all. Oh. Why? Because you spilled mm. wine last time all over your uh, keyboard? That was ages ago. No, I just like, I've been fucked up way too much lately and I just, I want to take a break. Yeah, but, like, my level of fucked up is like 
it's past 2020 it's like maybe i might like an alcoholic <laughs> don't Dude, do that i had the craziest thing the last week when i had this job i tried to sleep sober <laughs> Like He's a Doug doing Stanhope a joke. A, no, it's yeah. Doug Stanhope. Seriously though, like you tried to do that this year. Mm-hmm. Everything Fucking is terrifying. Impossible. Everything is terrifying. I know. <sighs> That's all right. You may have to sleep sober, but you don't have to That's sleep alone. That's what CBD is for. Not technically sober, but not technically high. I don't want to say that I've completed it. It's just I feel like I've done the, everything I wanted to do in my career in InfoSec. And now I'm looking at, like, what else can I do with my mm-hmm. life? Like, what what other skills do I have? And, like, I still love my job and I love my salary, but I'm kind of just bored and I want to do other things as well, which is, like, why I started, like, working in Hollywood and I'm I'm doing real estate. It's mm-hmm. just, like, it just gets boring after a while. Like, it's... Oh, mark my words. In three years, this is going to be like a shipbuilding and wine distilling <laughs> podcast. I can totally see that. The cooking show. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. One, of us will be, one of us will be raising sheep. Somebody else will be doing oh, woodwork. I'll be building planes. <laughs> yes, just yeah. exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, legit. Yeah. But we'll still be reading and yeah. we're, we're going to be talking about InfoSec yeah. and bringing in guest people who are still doing it. But we're going to be in cabins and in the highlands of like, well, I, I, I like think the lessons, just, yeah. speak for yourself, I was keyboard I on. I think the lessons you learn from InfoSec, <laughs> not just the technical stuff, but just navigating this industry, this world, this community, they're life skills that if you really learn those life skills, you can apply them anywhere and be successful anywhere. You're so right. The mentees that I have right now, they are in InfoSec and, and they're, they're very energetic and excited about it. And that's great. And what I'm mostly mentoring and coaching them on are making sure they're developing those skills that are not specific to InfoSec, because eventually they're going to get bored of InfoSec. And I want them to be prepared to take that next step. Or also, worst case, the InfoSec industry as we know it is going to blow up. That's what The high salaries, the demand Mm -hmm. are going to dry up overnight. Because people are going to realize why we're spending all this money and nothing's (laughs) changing. Why are we spending all this money? That's going to dry up, and I want my mentees to be prepared with the skills they need to pivot and to be successful, whether in InfoSec or something else. That's one of my driving factors is, like, I honestly believe InfoSec is the, it's the dot-com bubble again. Like, at some point, the whole house comes mm-hmm. crashing down, and I'd like to have a golden parachute. I think it's like the web development studios from the early 20, uh, 2000s. Um, the example that I've, I don't think we're going to be doing the same thing in 10 years, no doubt in five years, possibly, because I think this is how many of us knew or worked for like a web development studio, you know, like web media studio in the mm-hmm. early 2000s, we were busy putting up like e-commerce pages and like getting everybody on the internet. Right. And then overnight, like Square and WordPress and just like five or six main solution providers pop up and it's all automated. Right. The same thing is going to happen in cybersecurity in like three, <laughs> two, like, like, like feel... it's coming, right? Does our generation have the equivalent of PUD who's going to run like wreckedcompany.com? Like just what are you fucking talking about? Fucked, put, fucked company.com. This is, I, I have age on you, madam. I <laughs> married young. No. no, like literally just, 
just I want to see meme man in a suit with like VC invest like behind him. <laughs> but that's going to be the banner on wreckedcompany.com. And it's just going to be as all the shit crumbles mm-hmm. because of bullshit. Speaking yes. of uh, wrecked companies, has anyone seen the DoorDash IPO? No, I haven't. Oh my god! They're currently, according to the current stock price, they're valued at like many, many magnitudes what the actual company valuation is. And if you look at their their SEC Mm -hmm. filings, they have never ever made a profit except for last month, which was Mm -hmm. during a time when everyone is fucking not allowed to leave their house and they have no choice but to use DoorDash, Mm -hmm. and they still made basically a completely insignificant profit. And it's like okay. If during a right. pandemic, when everyone is forced to use your service, you can't turn a decent profit, how are you worth this much money? Mm-hmm. And like everyone pointed that out, mm-hmm. and then the stock price just kept going up and up and up. Warren Buffett is like, <laughs> run away, run away. I, I there's, bo- a, there's an episode <laughs> yeah. of Silicon Valley that talks about this phenomenon of these companies. Um, it was a uh, in, in in on that episode. It was it was like some pizza delivery company and they noticed that hey if you order the pizza directly from the pizzeria it's like ten dollars but if you order through this delivery service it's nine dollars what's going on it's because they're literally trying to, to get user share they're losing money on every single pizza so what the main characters did was oh they need to sink this company because they want to acquire them cheap so they they had more investment money than this pizza delivery so they spent their investment money ordering pizzas to basically bleed them out so they can acquire them <laughs> on for pennies on the dollar. It was hilarious. It reminds me of uh, this, this life hack I saw that <gasps> was to become a DoorDash driver and only accept your own orders so that you get paid to go and get your own food. <laughs> but, um, but like seriously, like, kind of that idea. is their entire business model. Is like uh, Uber was the first to do it. It's like their entire business model is a loss leader. The idea is to mm-hmm. it's to bankrupt mm-hmm. the taxi yeah. companies, bankrupt public transport, and then when they've and destroyed on everything, automated, automated cars. That's what they're also betting on is uh, automatic driving yeah. cars. But it still doesn't fix their business model. Is they first yeah. have to put everyone else out of business. Uber's Johnny Cab. Uber's Johnny Cab. And I remember yeah. someone. You do you, okay? No, wait. What? Do you, Marcus? Do you know what we're talking about when we say we no. say Johnny Cab? Johnny Cab. <laughs> No, okay. Have you not seen Total Recall with Schwarz- with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Do my- we have to bleep that? Classic Total Recall. Paul <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, I can't. Get your eyes to Mars. Two no? weeks. I remember that okay. line. Two weeks. I have like I have not seen most Two weeks? things. Please state weeks? the nature of the medical emergency. <laughs> no. Oh my God. No, but that's that's because it's Robert Picardo that exactly. was Johnny Cab. I know. I love it. I have no oh idea what's God. going on. I I've not seen a lot of things. There's like two really Science old geeks fiction. watching this right now. If Blue didn't cut out, they're gonna be laughing. It's all good. And not the oh remake, because remember they, they did a remake of Total automated. Recall, and yeah. I it was they not did. that good. Oh yeah. Oh no, they didn't. No. No, they didn't. No, no, no. But it didn't exist. Alternate universe. That's like the third Matrix movie. It doesn't exist. I don't know what Matrix movies are worth because I think I watched one that was them all condensed into one movie somehow. So I'm I'm not actually sure which movies are which. What I have fan no edit was this? That sounds cool, actually. Huh? I would get seriously, I would watch seriously that. disturbed <laughs> on drugs in your apartment. 
if we could watch all of the matrices. 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 I mean, I totally do matrices. that. That's I'm... my thing. That's my post-pandemic promise. Aww. I will get highly irregular on substance <laughs> and just to hang on your big-ass couch if it's the same one I remember and watch the matrices. Do you remember picking yeah. that couch out at Costco? It was surprisingly, like, it's the comfiest couch I've ever been on. And it was like cheap it as fuck. So it was is. like what, like six hundred dollars or something? Maybe less. Yeah. It was something like that. And it's yeah. like it's like eight pieces and it's oh, modular yeah. and stuff. Okay. So my promise to you is if you get completely blasted on whatever substances I don't need, I will trick master <laughs> the both of you, stay sober, and I'll sit over yeah. in my corner watching John Wick while you people Play experience my whatever time. you want to. <laughs> and I'll be like, Yeah, I'm I'm watching the badass version of everything happening. It sounds here. like a plan. Anyway, yeah. Can, <laughs> I'm here for that. We will it do that in 2045 when the pandemic is over. <laughs> oh, God. Live stream, live stream for the Patreon $20 tier. Maybe I'll make a cameo and disappearance. I'll, I'll swing in for a drink and then leave. <laughs> I love it. If there's no $20 tier on Patreon, yes. get on that because that's what the, that's what's gonna you're gonna unlock that reward. Tran, you can you you and M can screenshot my computer and trip me out. Oh, I, was that me? Was that us or was oh, that, that just was me? So I, oh, that was you. I um, I took a screenshot. You. No, it was you. Screen with like all the desktop icons and the start bar. <laughs> and then I set it as her desktop background so and disabled the taskbar. And she was clicking, like she's like, my computer's frozen. And she's clicking for like, no joke, five minutes. And I'm just dying in the background. I bought that stupid computer so I could play Overwatch with you because you were sad and stuck in your apartment and you pranked me. You right. Tara doesn't know Windows. She's never run terrible. Windows. No, I've been on Linux and then uh, Mac yeah, forever. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, hey, take it back. Linux was cool. Just, you know, you have to rebuild it every three weeks, yes. which is why now I'm on Mac. <laughs> All right. So speaking of um, financial, the financial industry and garbage, like IPOs and, and company valuations, Robinhood's been in the news again because they are being sued by several states because of, um, I guess, certain allegations that they are making trading too easy. They're not educating people and that they're selling data as well. Uh, and tech, I know you and I, we, t we talked a lot about the market and, and, and trading. I don't, I don't know if you had more details about what they do on the back end in terms of selling the data set that they have. Yeah, so um, most retail traders are shit at trading. Like That's a known fact. I think uh, statistically 75 to 80% of retail traders lose money. So what retail brokers will do is they will trade against their own customers. So when you make a trade, your broker then takes the other side of the trade, essentially making the opposite trade of what you've done. And that is how they make money. They're essentially trading against their own clients and they're taking commissions for the trade. But then what Robin Hood did is like, okay, we're going to bring in a lot of new traders by providing a zero commission service, which means it is 100% free to trade on Robin Hood. And in order to facilitate that, mm -hmm. what they do is rather than trading against their, their traders themselves, they sell the trading data onto like big hedge funds, investment banks, whatever, uh, whoever wants to trade against them. So they're doing the same thing that normal brokers do, and that's bet against their clients, but they're outsourcing it. They're becoming a supply chain for bad trader data, which is, I think, new. Like, I don't think that's been done before. I think it has never been done to this scale and aggregation yeah. because it is very normal for uh, retail brokerages to farm out that trade. They may not execute the trade themselves. They actually farm it out to someone else to do the trade. Right. And there's a cost of that transaction is like fraction of a fraction of a cent. Um, 
so it's not really noticeable. But I think just the scale that's being done at is is very different now. I, I mean, I, I think for all the hate that there is for Robin Hood, I think the positive that has come out of them getting into the market and getting into the space is that zero transaction fees for trades are now almost a norm. They were the first to do it. Just put a lot of pressure on all the other firms to do the same. I mean, I remember starting to do trading 15 years ago, and it was like $15 a trade, no oh, matter yeah. you know, how, how like many shares you bought. If you're like a kid with, who's like trading their allowance money, you lose all of your money just by placing the trade. Yeah, not right. anymore, because it's a zero transaction fee. You, you're just, you put $300 and you get $300 worth of something. I do like that, but also I hate just how they're skewing the market. Like you have Tesla valued at like more than all of the car companies provided and they sell like 300K cars a year. Um, you've got DoorDash who are valued at like 10 times what they're worth and what they're worth is absolutely nothing. And I think like while it's nice to be able to do free trades and not have all of your money eaten up by like 15, $20 trade fees, uh, yeah, the it just barrier gets, to entry is much lower now. Yeah, but it just gets eaten up by people making the market go in ways that it absolutely should not go. But the people who 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 know how the system works, they're the ones making money, not these Robinhood users who just sees. Um, I think Robinhood has a dashboard like the the biggest winners or something like that on like their top list. By the time those stocks make it on that list, do not buy it. Well, what I <laughs> because these large firms they're betting on the other side, as you said. What I've been doing is I made a bot that the second something gets listed on that top like movers list on Robinhood, it buys it. And then a couple of minutes later, when all the, the kids start yeeting their money into it, it sells it again. And it's a pretty consistent strategy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like on torrent websites, the, the top torrents that you can free leech, you know, your best bet is to not try to download those to up your torrent credit because everyone's already downloaded those. They're not, yeah. it's not going to work for you. Yeah. When I think about it, I think about the difference between slots and poker, basically, or craps and poker. Robin Hood might be the slots or craps of the sort of uh, investor world, which is to say it's an easy introduction into the world of what you do inside a casino. Um, but statistically speaking, over time, you're a sucker for even playing it. You want to go head for the games where you're not playing against the house, right? But you get it. It takes a while to gain that sophistication, yeah. I think. And maybe the answer is just it's great that enough people got interested in this, that they are starting to take interest in how the system works. I love that mission of getting people involved in it so that people can have an understanding of it. At the same time, as fast as people get involved in that world, they need to start realizing the the rules of it mean that they've entered a losing platform and yeah, need to switch to I one think where Robin they win. Hood, if they if I were them just given the scrutiny from the public from state regulator re regulators I would do everything I can to turn this into an educational platform as well because you've gotten people hooked on this zero transaction fee thing now start to educate them build that loyalty build the brand recognition and I think they can they can go very far, but I think right now they're just looking at these like, uh, you know, closed door transactions and other things to make money. That's not going to be sustainable. They're going to be either be sued out of existence, re regulated out of existence, or their brands be tarnished and no one wants to touch it because 
they're going to build a reputation for not even being an investment plan platform, but be re being really being a gambling platform at that point. I mean, that's all they are. Like typically, exactly. the US uh, has made financial instruments with high leverage that are available to retail investors illegal. Like all of the all of the financial instruments I used to use in the UK, like CFDs, uh, binary options, all of that shit in the US is illegal because they don't want retail investors having like insanely high leverage on stock. And uh, that's what Robinhood gives them. It's like, hey, would you like to have a million to one leverage on some useless meme stock? And I just don't see how that is sustainable. <clears throat> like they're just going to screw up the market. Well, we can... We can say goodbye, but one thing I would love to do is congratulate the World Wide Web on its 30th birthday today. The very first website was info.cern.ch in Zurich. So today, 30 years ago, the internet was and born. And it was a terrible decision for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and every day since. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tech, you want to you close I don't it out with that? I'm just going to edit, just cut it at the end. I don't think we need an outro, really. Or we can make some music. I don't know. I give a shit. <laughs> I think people come for the content, not the outro. All right. 